to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fullick. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to COVID, business continuity, lessons learned, crisis management, disaster planning, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can reach me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Alex Fullick there. I'm really easy to find. And I do respond to everything I get. Longtime listeners will know that uh, for quite some time, I was talking about uh, attending a few conferences uh, over the last few months, Business Continuity Institute uh, being one of them. And that my hope was that uh, I'd be able to get one or two or maybe more speakers from those conferences from BCI and have them come on the show to talk about their topic or another related topic. And today I'm lucky enough to have one of those speakers here. Speaking on the topic of inclusive inclusivity in business continuity and supply chain resilience, lessons from Philippines MSMEs, I'd like to welcome to the show, Joanna Rose Lateran. Joanna, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me. Now, I want everyone to know Joanna is actually joining us from Philippines today. So this should, this is going to be really interesting. Talk about a, a global audience. Now I've got uh, global guests. So I'm really happy to have you uh, join us today. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you for having me. Now, I know uh, I've read your biography and we've sent emails back and forth. Um, but can you take a minute or two to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got into what you do? So I work as a university extension specialist at the University of the Philippines Institute for Small-Scale Industries. We are mandated by the government to conduct um, training programs, research, and extension services for the micro, small, and medium enterprises in the Philippines. So I have been involved in the conduct of business continuity planning, capacity building programs for MSMEs since 2014. It has been the result of my participation in the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation's train-the-trainer workshops on promoting SME business continuity plans for, um, for MCs. I'm also the Director for Public Sector Relations at the Business Continuity Managers Association of the Philippines. Oh, well, welcome. Um, I'm, I'm happy to have you here. And I, I'm not sure if I told you, but I, I've actually been to the Philippines, to Philippines, sorry, I stayed in Manila at, um, I can't remember the name of the hotel, but it's the hotel where uh, Douglas MacArthur had his um, uh, big hotel suite, the hotel he stayed at on the waterfront. Uh, I wish I could remember the name of it now, but uh, great place, loved it. Food was fantastic, just loved it. And everyone was so friendly. So uh, it was wonderful, but your traffic is worse than ours. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I had a I had a great time, though. (laughs) 
Now, um, the title of your presentation, Inclusivity in Business Continuity and Supply Chain Resilience, um, for the context of our uh, conversation, could you explain inclusivity? Because some people will may think it has to do with diversity and inclusion, but we're not talking about that. So could you explain um, what it means in a, for the context of our discussion? Yes. So as defined by Oxford languages, inclusivity means the practice or policy of providing equal access or opportunities and resources for people who might be marginalized or excluded. So in the context of my presentation, inclusivity means including the voices of the micro, small, and medium enterprise sector in the conversation on BCP. Because a lot of time we talk about um, business continuity planning um, for large enterprises, but we also need to talk about the voices of the MSMEs as well. So that is why we have take part in awareness sessions, conferences, and knowledge sharing such as this one. Okay. Um, now at the end, I didn't explain, I know you've said it twice, but I haven't asked you what it meant, but I'm going to ask you now. Can you define what MSME stands for and what each of those means, each of those uh, acronyms mean, letters mean, I mean, sorry. So in the Philippines, we have the micro, small, and medium enterprises. We categorized our businesses in, according to two points. First one is their asset value, and the other one is their employment size. So for micro enterprises, the asset value is only up to 3 million pesos, and employment is until nine employees only. And then for small um, enterprises, it's asset value from 3 million one to 15 million pesos. And then employment size, 10 to 99. For medium, 15 million one to 100 million pesos. And then the employment size would be 100 to 199. So we have a total of 952,969 MSMEs in the Philippines. This is 99.51% of all registered businesses in the Philippines. So 900, almost a million? Businesses yes. like that yes. in, in Philippines, and you Nine. and you make up ninety nine point. That's a lot. Wow. Well, that I know I've skipped a question, but I kind of wanted you to say that first, because uh, one of the first questions I wanted to ask is, can you give us an update how COVID impacted some of these businesses? Now that I understand how many there are and what percentage make up the business community in Philippines, how did COVID impact Philippines and those MSMEs? So the COVID-19 pandemic and the subsequent enhanced community quarantine implemented by the Philippine government resulted in the disruption of our labor markets and it heavily impacted our MSME sector. Based on our the UPISI survey last um, 2020, um, the most common negative effects include closure of business, cash flow problems, employees not being able to report for work, dropped in sales, and the delays in processing and delivery of orders. This also includes the limited or lack of supply of raw materials. Were there, uh, see, we're already going off script here. Were there other challenges in the uh, Philippines? Because you're an island nation, many islands, you're an island nation. So was it 
more difficult or impactful because of supply chains, uh, tourism. There were so many other things that couldn't or unable, shall we say, to uh, go to the Philippines. So were, were there other impacts to Philippines because of COVID, simply because you're an island nation? So the most pressing concern that our MSMEs talked about includes the supply chain disruptions. We have um, logistics concerns. So in moving transport, transportation restrictions um, ha have impact on the delay in the processing of orders and getting raw materials, not just raw materials, but as well as the materials for packaging, packaging materials of their goods. So when you move from one province to the other, sometimes there is um, a difference in the um, implementation of rules in, in, in as far as the enhanced community quarantine is concerned. So that's um, the, one of the pressing concerns would be uh, logistics. Has, has it improved or over the last, you know, let's say last year or at least improved to where things are now? Um, it has improved in a sense that um, we have more, um, the goods are being freely um, transported now due to the improvement in the situation. But also at the same time, we also see that since a lot of our MSMEs previously relied on um, raw materials from others far from their location for for instance, from another region instead of the one near them. But due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the restrictions it posed, they looked into alternative suppliers now. So they have um, suppliers near their um, place of work, which makes it better for them. But it's also an additional cost because it costs more. So uh, we're, in case something couldn't come from... Uh, Canada or, or something. Now, people in Philippines are looking at something a little closer, Indonesia, Malaysia, or something like that, in the event something happens again, right? Are small and uh, MSME businesses able to do that? Um, yes, uh, but most of our survey respondents only look into the supplies coming from the domestic market. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I was just kind of wondering, you know, if, if it's a small, medium-sized business, they may not have that global reach. So I was just kind of curious if if that was changing. But they, if they're already looking local, well, then, you know, they're, they're not going to go global because that just increases their risk, right? So let's talk a little bit more about MSA, MSMEs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, why aren't these uh, micro, small, and medium-sized businesses prepared for uh, disaster events like COVID or other things, because I know um, other things have uh, happened in the uh, Philippines. You're close to having a typhoon hit you as we record. So uh, how, why aren't these businesses prepared? For the reason for not being prepared, a lot of MSMEs tell us that they are too busy so as I mentioned earlier, micro enterprises only have one to nine employees. Sometimes it's only the MSME owner and his husband or what uh, their um, 
family members who are part of the business. So they take on all of the challenges from being the um, marketing person, HR, financial person, and um, the one in charge for production. So they are too busy doing their work in the business that they do not find time or they do not have time to conduct um, business continuity planning and develop their plans. Another one is that they do not have enough money and resources to plan, to prepare for their plans. And, but then this is also related to their lack of awareness on business continuity planning. They think that when you do um, BCP, you need a lot of resources coming from, for instance, the large companies. And the other one is that a lot of our MSMEs come to me and tell me, BCP is good, um, but then I do not want to think about a disaster that has not happened yet. There is this tendency that if you think about a disaster that has not happened yet, um, it might happen to you. But when they tell me this, I always answer that um, it is not anymore a question of if it will happen to you, but it's a question of when it will happen to you and are you ready when it happens. Well, and some of those, interestingly enough, some of those uh, reasons they, they're not prepared for any situation is because uh, or, or, sorry, are the same reasons that you hear from some large corporations and organizations who say the exact same thing. We don't have the resources. We don't have the time, um, financial resources or people or focus. And the same argument, it, it won't happen to us. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting that that same argument is through all, uh, all levels and all sizes of business. Is there also the challenge that um, sometimes for a small business, you know, if you've got nine, 10 people, that business continuity management or disaster planning is seen as something for large organizations only? Yes, so um, we have an ongoing survey now and we ask that same question. Um, why is it that they do not have a business continuity plan? And a lot of our respondents say that we are just a small company and we do not need a business continuity plan. So there's this thinking, there's this mindset that only large companies need BCPs. Is that also because of audit and compliance type of uh, reg requirements exist for large organizations? So it's seen as you know something they need to take care of because small businesses, you know, not nine, 10, 20 people, they're not getting audited, you know, for a regulation or something else, you know, compliance reasons. So if that's not happening, well, then we don't need to deal with that. Yes. So um, I forgot to mention that in the Philippines, 60% of all of our, ex approximately 60% of all our exporters come from MSMEs. So there, there's also the sense of, um, meeting compliance standards. So these exporters, when they um, deal with multinational companies, a lot of them need to have business continuity plans. So this is why, where we see the, the, the increase in um, knowledge on the importance of having BCPs, those who want to export their um, products and services. So we... Go ahead. So is that something the government or either local or provincial or state or um, 
you know, federal uh, levels. Is that something they're pushing towards or pushing on to these small, medium businesses? Hey, if you want to do business, you want to grow, you've got to start looking at, you know, business continuity or, or something like that. Um, for now, um, there's no specific um, legislation that um, where it says that MSMEs should have BCPs, but I can provide examples of some laws. Um, the Banco Central ng Pilipinas or um, the Philippine um, Central Bank um, mandates all banks in the Philippines to have um, business continuity plans. And then the other one, the Cooperative Development Authority um, issued a rule that um, the cooperatives should have um, BCPs. So we are looking into maybe in the future, um, uh, governments would look into um, incentivizing MSMEs who have BCPs so they can um, be better prepared. So, so the, there is le legislation in place, but it's really for the bigger groups and i guess for smaller groups it's kind of a suggestion right now but nothing really formalized right that'd be fair okay we've come to the end of our first segment we are talking with joanna rose lateran today from philippines who spoke at uh, bci horizons right bci horizons bci horizons yes yeah uh, so bci bci horizons uh in the summer on the topic of inclusivity in business continuity and supply chain resilience, lessons from Philippine MSMEs, and we will be right back. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fulick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's info at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Joanna Rose Lateran, who spoke at BCI Horizons this year on the topic of inclusivity in business continuity and supply chain resilience. Lessons from Philippines MSMEs. Joanna, during our break, uh, I, I mentioned that the 
of businesses in Philippines were uh, MSMEs. You also gave me another stat. You broke that down. Um, can you talk about that? So in the Philippines, we have out of the 99.51% MSMEs, 88.77% um, of them are considered micro-enterprises. So they only have um, one to nine employees. That's a huge percentage. That really is. You know, um, and, and kudos to everybody in the Philippines because that's obviously a lot of business people you know, running their own little uh "Quote unquote corporations type thing, you know, family businesses, shops, repair bit, whatever they may be, they could be anything. Um, but that's a staggering number. That leads me to ask the question now: When there is a, a crisis or a disaster that happens, um, like hopefully not like the oncoming typhoon you're you you may be experiencing uh, very soon, but if there is a large disaster." it must be crippling for your economy and for all these businesses because they are small businesses. What, ha what happens when, when something like that occurs? So when there is a big disaster, a lot of our um, MSMEs, especially the micro enterprises um, tend to close down. And if they close down for only um, a day or two, it means a lot for them because they mm -hmm. rely on this um, income for their family members. And also when we talk about micro enterprises, a lot of them um, have catered to local community members. So they provide goods and services for the local community members, as well as providing um, livelihood for these members as well. So if they are affected, um, the community is affected. And also, um, MSMEs contribute to 62% of employment in the Philippines. So it's a lot. Mm -hmm. So a, a typhoon, an earthquake, anything like that, it, does, it, it can happen anywhere in, in Philippines, but that, that has a real big impact on what's happening. You know, because there are so many of these small businesses, so that there's quite the impact there. You know, it's, it's some staggering numbers. Uh, you know, I, I, it's... I wouldn't say it's the same here in Canada, um, but that that's just, it's really impressive. It's boggling my mind that so many, there are so many of these small and medium-sized businesses that are out there in Philippines. It's amazing. Now, there was something else you talked about in your presentation, and uh, it was uh, entitled ECQ. Can you tell us what ECQ is and how that impacts or helps or, um, MSMEs? So ECQ stands for Enhanced Community Quarantine. The entire country has been placed under a state of calamity on March 16, 2020. So to limit the spread of the virus, um, the Luzon area was placed under ECQ from March 17 to April 12 initially, but then it was extended until April 30. After April 30, some areas in Luzon were placed under general community quarantine. So while in Metro Manila, Regions 3, 4, ECQ is extended again until May 15. So other local government units in the Visayas region and Mindanao are also under localized ECQ or GCQ. So with the ECQ implementation, 
um, it resulted to alternative work arrangements um, and then also land, domestic, domestic air, and domestic sea travel restrictions, mass public transportation was suspended. So this resulted to employees not being able to come to work since they rely on public transportation. And during ECQ, only essential agencies such as banks, supermarkets, hospitals, um, government agencies remained operational. To ensure the accessibility of business commodities, all manufacturing, retail, and service establishments were directed to continue but with strict compliance or observance to physical distancing, wearing of masks. So back to my earlier point then, how did a lot of these communities uh, continue on? Because as you put it, a lot of these small businesses were uh, serving their local communities. But if everybody is quarantined and people can't travel, they're not allowed to do whatever it is they're not allowed to do, how did some of these businesses respond? Did Were there, and I hope not, were there a lot of businesses that uh, had to close? Were, were there other issues caused? Because you've already got supply chain issues and now you're closing the stores. So how, how did that come about? How did that get managed? So um, due to the ECQ implementation, um, our survey in April 2020 um, resulted to this um, statistic, 65% of our 108 respondents um, mentioned the closure of business during ECQ, and then 58% of their employees cannot come to work. So some businesses relied on um, having alternate suppliers in place so, so that they can continue their operations. But for some who totally cannot continue um, they looked into um, having new products that are being um, delivered or provided to their local community members, since that is the only place that they can um, sell their products while in ECQ. That must have been a challenge for businesses uh, as well, because with regards to supply chains, there were already some issues, but then some of these suppliers must have been experiencing some of the same thing, which would make it even harder on some of these smaller micro businesses because they may have an alternate, but the alternate supplier is experiencing something too. So that must have caused even more chaos, shall we say, for some of these uh, small MSME businesses. Yes. So um, the travel restrictions um, resulted as well to the awareness of the position of the MSMEs in the supply chain. So before, um, when we, only, we talk about our services being provided to our customers, but we don't really look into the supply chain, um, supply chain disruptions that might happen, as well as the um, position of our MSMEs in the supply chain. So I can share with you one example of our MSME. Sure. So it's, it's called, the business is called Sudlan. Sudlan means hand-sewn pouch or bags. So they use local products, raw materials from Baguio and other local markets. And they also use recycled materials. 
But then due to the ECQ, the owner could not travel back to Batangas where the production site is in. So there's two months of no operation. So she had difficulty in sourcing raw materials since most of her suppliers closed down. So she started sourcing materials online. And as such, um, she introduced new products as well. So before she only sold um, bags and um, passport holders, but now she's selling um, face masks as well. So she realized the importance of having savings as well to continue her business operations. So she adapted her operations to the challenges that she was experiencing. Yes. And um, I'm assuming thrived and did uh, really well and hopefully continues to thrive. Yes. Um, since um, she is into collaborating with local weavers and weaving communities, this is part of her um, value added to the customers. That's why she continues to um, thrive in her business. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, back to the supply chain with the some of the challenges uh, and, and people finding alternate sources. Just out of curiosity, has there been any lessons learned, looked at by governments or um, regulatory authorities, anybody, on how to address those supply chain issues? Because you brought up a couple of interesting points where uh, people would find an alternate, but they're impacted as well. Uh, travel restrictions. So even if the uh, alternate supplier was up and running and had everybody there, still couldn't travel to do anything. So has the government looked at that differently uh, now since those uh, initial supply chain issues uh, were encountered? So there are some local governments that we know of since we've been partnering with them. Um, they help their MSMEs um, look into um, business continuity planning. So they provide um, trainings for them to look into this. But this, as far as supply chain concerns, um, they are looking into um, having the restrictions eased as well so that there is um, free movement of goods and services. That's what I was wondering, if that kind of thing was being looked at, because it's one thing to tell everyone, no, you, you know, don't go outside you know, a lockdown or whatever the case may be. But it's another to tell people you should have business continuity plans, alternate suppliers, and then still have the same restrictions on those alternate suppliers. You're kind of telling people to make, create a plan, but then you're not allowing them to actually enact a plan. So. Like a contradiction. <laughs> um, you also talked to, there's a couple of other case studies that you had in your presentation. I know that the bag was uh, one of them. Uh, can you tell us about uh, another one or two stories or are there another one or two stories you could share with us? Yes. So I can share with you the one from Atok Benguet. So it's from the Northern part of the Philippines. They produce um, Arabica coffee beans. So mm. they are heavily impacted by typhoons, heavy rains, strong winds, which impacts their production. This is on top of the restrictions posed by the COVID-19 pandemic. 
So the UPISSI has been conducting advocacy programs and research studies on them. In 2019, we were supposed to go back there and validate our um, focus group discussion results. But then um, specifically at the time that we were um, scheduled to go back there, um, the ECQ was implemented. So we had to communicate with them via phone. But the problem is that um, it's difficult to have mobile phone signals there in the mountain, mountainous areas. So mm-hmm. uh, the MS, the cooperative manager can only respond to us during night time. So, <laughs> and then, so they also experienced some um, equipment breakdown and power outages aside from the logistics concern. The logistics concern includes transportation costs, road closures, PCQ, and as I mentioned, since there are a lot of typhoons, um, there's also um, the threat of landslides in the mountainous areas. So they have these concerns on how to meet market demands, local and international, as well as sustainability concerns. Now, coffee is obviously um, regarded as a main beverage basically around the world. <laughs> that must have been a challenge for them trying to get their product to market, obviously. Were yes. there any for things like that? Because I, I know Philippines has some great coffee. I know because I had some when I was there. So <laughs> I know it's really good. Were there any, um, uh, how, how, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, measures put in place that allowed them to get some of these products to market to other places in the world? Because even when we had lockdown here, people were still ordering out for coffee and getting it delivered. But they could only get that coffee delivered if suppliers from around the world were able to deliver. So in this kind of situation, were did the government allow for some of these things to continue on to help this company? So... For this specific group, um, we are not really sure about the export part. We only look into the local market. So what we do to help them is that we get, last year we had bulk of orders here in Metro Manila. And when we had those orders, we specifically relate them to the um, cooperative manager so that there is a direct link between the farmers and the buyers. So there is no um, middleman anymore. So that's what we do to help them. And then for the um, supply chain restrictions, um, the cooperative manager in Benguet um, looks into providing the goods and services through local bus companies. So the bus company from Benguet goes to Metro Manila, and that is where we pick up the orders and then deliver to other um, customers here in Metro Manila. Oh, okay. So there were some measures put in place to keep some product moving, even with restrictions in place. They were still trying to get certain things, you know, I know many people who would say coffee is, uh, you know, a main staple of their day. So <laughs> it's good that, you know, to hear it that uh, one or not just one, but other products in Philippines were still able to get to market to keep some things moving, which is great to hear. 
On that note, we've come to the end of our second segment. We are talking today with Joanna Rose Laderan on the BCI Horizons topic, Inclusivity in Business Continuity and Supply Chain Resilience, Lessons from Philippines MSMEs, and we'll be right back. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Joanna Rose Lateran on inclusivity in business continuity and supply chain resilience. Lessons learned from Philippines. Lots of interesting information, Joanna, uh, with what's happened in Philippines. Um, I'm wondering about financial resources. Were there any financial resources available to MSMEs uh, as a result of uh, the pandemic? So um, the the Philippine government provided some loans um, and also some grants for MSMEs as a result of the um, restrictions posed by the COVID-19 pandemic. And then the usual financial resources of MSMEs post-disaster includes um, personal savings and then loans from their family and friends, remittances, and unfortunately, a lot of them still look into informal money lenders with high interest rates. But then there are also available microfinance institutions, small credit cooperatives for insurance as well. Did a lot of people take uh, take up those uh, loans or offers? I know you mentioned some went to uh, not so good <laughs> financial suppliers or people who you know, would help, but did a lot of people take the government up on their offers? Yes, yeah, so um, a lot tried to get um, government support for this financial loans but some of the MSMEs were not able to get the loans because um, there are some restrictions in terms of the um, 
number of years being in operation. So some are not yet in operation for um, one year since the pandemic. And then also some are having difficulty um, getting access to the available loans. So what we do is we, what the government does is they provide as well um, awareness sessions on the available programs for these MSMEs. Okay. Now, you also talked about HANDA, H-A-N-D-A. What is that? So the word HANDA in Filipino, it means, um, it can mean a, a food or a feast, what is your HANDA during your birthday. And then it can also mean uh, as a verb or as an ad- to get something ready or as an ad- adjective ready or prepared. So it's an acronym for the UPISSI's Honing Agents for National Disaster Awareness Handa Program. It's our Disaster Preparedness and Business Continuity Planning Program for MSMEs. So it includes research, awareness sessions, training, and mentoring sessions. So what do you do? Do you just put on a webinar? Do you ha- how do you get people involved with that so that they are even aware that Handa exists? So for the awareness sessions, we conduct it as part of our communities of practice for entrepreneurship. It's uh, provided for free for MSMEs. We conduct it through Zoom and Facebook Live through the UPISSI's um, official social media page. And then for the training component, we um, partner as well with um, the local um DTI, Department of Trade and Industry, to help us promote our um, BCP awareness sessions. So they have a lot of um, support from the regional and provincial offices. When we have um, COPE webinars, they help us disseminate this information. How do you disseminate the information? Because earlier you mentioned that you know, a lot of these businesses are small. They don't have the time for this kind of stuff. So do you do more than one way of getting awareness out, like travel door to door and just hand out a pamphlet or something or emails, you know, how do you get the word out that Handa is there? So we um, have our training program brochure on our website. And then we also um, look into conducting awareness sessions through the Facebook page. Since a lot now of our MSMEs are into using the social media for awareness sessions. And the other one, we send out um, email blasts to our um, MSME partners. Ah, and then leveraging them to, to uh, make, a, make a connection with these local uh, business owners. Yes, yes. Oh. Also some um, government agencies help us as well. Oh, good. So it's not just one, it's not just handed themselves trying to contact everybody. You leverage all these different partnerships. Yes, yes. Since we are part of the MSME Development Council, we are we have, we also have a lot of connections that support MSMEs. Do you also leverage? Uh, just out of curiosity, and I was thinking because um, I know we're talking about micro, small, and medium-sized business. Is there any participation by large organizations to help educate smaller businesses as well? Do they get yeah. involved at all? So um, large companies come to us to um, train their MSME partners. So it's good that they 
they look into this that they in order for them to be prepared their um, MSME partners need to be prepared as well so we've done trainings for their MSME partners well that's good because the, there's lots to learn from these larger organizations too and I guess that's also a part of the mindset now of the supply chain issues and all the various dependencies groups have now they're looking at you know big big corporations really quite often only look at their other partners that are big corporations. But in the in Philippines, as you mentioned, such a huge percentage is made up of MSMEs. So they have to look beyond these big corporations now and look at these small ones to help strengthen their supply chains and their, their collaborative efforts to keep things moving. Yes, so this partnership between large companies and MSMEs are very important here in the Philippines. That's great. Um, just out of curiosity, you mentioned Handa's website. Is there, um, can you can you mention what that is? So the website for the UPISSI, which includes the Handa program, is entrepreneurship.org.ph, or you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash UPISSI Handa. Great. Just so that uh, anyone listening, because we've got people listening around the globe who wants to check out um, something maybe they can learn something from you guys and take it home uh, with to their own communities. Um, now I just wanted to uh, touch on the, the last thing because we're slowly running out of time here unfortunately. What lessons have been learned from promoting business continuity amongst these MSMEs? What have they learned? So um, Part of the lessons learned is that MSMEs need to understand their own business, so their own position in the supply chain, if they have service level agreements, and as you mentioned, dependencies. And then the other one is that we need to encourage MSMEs to think about the potential threats to their business, they identify supply chain risks as well. And the other one, most important one, is the documentation of lessons learned from previous um, business disruptions. And just because you, you mentioned earlier, one of the <laughs> reasons people aren't paying attention is I'm too busy. Uh, do you have any tools or mechanisms that they can leverage to help with that? Because if they are a small micro business, you know, one to nine people, I think it was, correct? Yes. One to nine people. Um, and they're too busy to be able to document and, and do some of this stuff. Are there tools that you have they can leverage? Yes. We have um, the Smart Business Guide on how to prepare a business continuity plan. This has been published in 2018, but we're coming up again with another one to be published uh, this January. Um, this is only a 30-page guidebook for our MSMEs. It also includes the MSME BCP at a glance or one-page roadmap where they can um, place their um, initial business continuity strategies. And we encourage them to use their local language in um, developing the plans. And I remember what you mentioned on episode eight of your preparing for the unexpected YouTube. You said um, plans are for users. So this is very important because when we train our MSMEs nationwide, we encourage them to use their, the language that they understand and to only um, prepare plans that are readily usable for them, not the plans that are too thick or too big, too, too many to look into. Right. Episode eight, you know how long ago that was? <laughs> I'm 
Sure, it's, it is entitled Things Not to Include in BC Plans. Yeah, that goes, but wow, I can't believe that. That was so long ago. I can't believe somebody actually was listening to that. I only just started doing that, um, this show back then. Wow. Uh, thank you. Uh, now I know somebody out there did, did actually listen to episode eight. <laughs> so we've only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, could you take a minute or two with any final comments you'd like to convey? Any lessons learned? Any Anything that you would just like to uh, uh, mention with regards to what you do or um, the MSMEs? So um, I think um, what is important in dealing with um, BCP awareness and capacity building for MSMEs is to provide them a sense of ownership and sense of significance. So when we conduct trainings for them, we use the local context and their local language to empower the local communities. And it's very important as well to, have, to strengthen partnerships and collaboration. For us, coming from the academe, we partner with MSMEs, cooperatives, large companies with MSME partners, financial institutions, industry associations, government agencies, as well as our local and international partners. Well, thank you very much, Joanna, for joining us. I know with regards to COVID and supply chain and everything, we we tend to focus here, at least where I am, you know, in Canada, on what Canada is doing or our neighbor to the south, the US or Western Europe, you know, UK. So it's really great to hear different perspectives on what um, a, a country like Philippines did and it teaches some different ways of doing things and maybe some different ways of thinking as well um, to enable different actions down the road. So I really enjoyed uh, listening to you here and thank you very much for sharing your time and expertise uh, today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We also appreciate having been part of your program. Ah, well, my pleasure. So thank you once again, and to everybody listening, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.